hate when my phone charger won't reach my bed. I hate when my leather seats aren't heated. When I go to the bathroom and I forget my phone. La météo no machine à laver, je commence à sentir. I hate it when my house is so big. I need two wireless waters. When my megan makes my hot water taste too cold. When I have to write my maid a check, but I forget her last name. Mpaka iki message va marcher en même temps. On te quitte casse-moi en bas. Moi rai mes voisins bloquer internet là. I hate it when I tell them no pickles and they still give me pickles. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Oh, yeah, that was great. How's everybody doing today? Are you blessed? I said, are you blessed? Say, I am blessed. Say it again. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. And you know what? Today I want to talk to you about what really matters. What really matters. Now, for the last three weeks, uh, we've been talking about Loving Our Church, and the series is I Love My Church, and you guys have been giving me tons of opportunities to say that and mean that with all my heart. I love my church. Just watching how you guys have responded in such incredible ways is just, it just kind of, it just blows my mind. And um, for the last several weeks, we've been in the thick of things. Uh, Bethlehem has just jumped in uh, two feet forward, and we've, we've really wanted to come alongside of those that are suffering and say, you know what, we're here for you. Um, some of you, you've had your own situations. Pastor Peter DeCroach, who actually has had his own situation in his own home, lost three cars, lost his bottom floor. Uh, he showed up yesterday to help clean out other people's home. I tell you, that's a champion right there. That is a champion. Come on, somebody. And uh, so... While we've seen a lot of need, we've also seen a lot of people step up and make it a mandate. As I, as I said a couple of weeks ago, a lot of people say this is an opportunity for the church. And let me tell you something. I don't look at it as an opportunity. I look at it as a mandate from God. Amen? You know, an opportunity is, hey, you could take it or leave it. This is your opportunity. We don't take it or leave it. This is our home. This is our community. These are our people that we need to minister to, and we do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. So uh, I want to talk to you for a few moments about what really matters. Why is that important? Because we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving in a couple of days. And let me tell you something. Thanksgiving ought to be a celebration every single day of our life. Amen. Paul the Apostle said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. He didn't say for everything. There's some things that I'm not going to give thanks to God for because God didn't have anything to do with it. Amen? You know, when you see somebody abused, I don't give thanks for the abuse, but I give thanks in everything because I can look a little higher and see that God works all things out for our good. And I can see the love of God. I can see the kindness of God. I can see the mercy of God. I can see the plan of God. And even when I can't see the plan of God, I can see that God has put a seed of destiny in all of our hearts. And as a result of that, I can give thanks in every situation. And I know some of you are in a situation where it looks hopeless. 
give thanks to the Lord. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about focusing on what really matters. And we're going to talk about how to learn how to give thanks in every situation. Before we do that, though, as we have been uh, sharing with you every week, that we have partners that are partnering with us in, in this recovery effort and uh, just going and loving people. And uh, I have to tell you, you know, I've been in my own hometown. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But, uh, it, it, you know, it, it's so big. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. I know that uh, when it all first happened, everybody was like, look, but the houses are still standing. And no one knew the damage that was on the inside of the homes. Now we're seeing whole homes just ripped out and they're, they're just right on the street. And it's amazing uh, the devastation that we're seeing. And there's no way that we could have done it by ourselves. Now, I want to tell you that it's been incredible as we have mobilized over a thousand people or more. And um, Bethlehem, you have been uh, on the forefront of helping to mobilize people from all over the place. Some of you have opened up your homes and we thank God for that. We've opened up our church. And a lot of you have helped out, not only administratively, but doing the work itself. And we thank the Lord for that. On Monday, we had over 300 volunteers that showed up. Even some, uh, as we would say, knee-highs showed up. Some kids that showed up. Uh, we rerouted them into Long Beach. And we got them to knock on doors and help out with other things. And so no one was wasted as they came. But there was over 300 people. And I want to say thank you. Come on, somebody. Say thank the Lord. That came out to help out with the recovery effort. Uh, women, men, children, teenagers, old, young, you responded. Don't stop responding. I know that you got your own stuff that goes on in your own life. And I know that Saturdays for you, uh, so many of you, that's the only day that you have off. And it's a little difficult. But we'll be back out again next Saturday. Um, at 8 o'clock at Haggerty, 100 Radcliffe. You can call the office. Um, but we will be out there every Saturday that we need to be out there. And um, we're going to be mobilizing groups again. A lot of people make a lot of work less burdensome on the few that would show up. So I would really encourage you, give some time. Give a couple of hours. Give a day to change another family's life. Give a day to change a family's life. It's been amazing to hear the stories about how people have actually uh, come down from Buffalo, um, up from different parts of the country, uh, and they are absolutely willing to serve. We had a whole bunch of teams, two, actually two teams in the service today, and teams that were staying here and teams were staying at, at different places as well. And uh, we celebrated this morning what God did and one of the team members said that they went into a person's home and the person was Muslim and after they cleaned out the home they gave them a holy Bible signed it and prayed for them come on somebody say amen glory to God and that is being repeated over and over and over again and uh, it seems like you know we flow in stages with this thing I'm learning I've never thank God I've never been in a disaster like this before um, so we're kind of learning as we go, and we, we know that we need some partners and Convoy of Hope, uh, somebody who's been a partner of a church for a long time. They're still with us. They're still partnering. They want to be here long haul. We had a meeting with Convoy, and they said that they want to start getting involved in some cleanouts and rebuilding as well. Samaritan's Purse came at the right time to help us to mobilize teams, to help us to administrate teams and take teams into these cleanouts. And, and to help us. I, I, I definitely couldn't do it without them and without Convoy. And then recently we were in touch with Forward Edge, which is another ministry, and they specialize more in the rebuilding process. And it seems like every time we get to another phase, 
uh, God supplies someone to come along and part. It's a partnership. Um, and we supply the volunteers in a lot of ways. And then there's other organizations that are doing the same thing. And we do it together as a team. And you know what? If we all do it together as a team, Jesus shines through. He is glorified. And we can help people that are suffering. Now, uh, Todd Taylor is with us today. Uh, I, I always get tempted to call him Tim Taylor, the tool man, because he is a tool man. Uh, but uh, this is Todd, and he's from down south. And I want him to come down. He's just going to share. Give Todd a big hand. He's with Samaritans first. Come on up, Todd. Thank you, buddy. And, and, and Todd is with Samaritan's Purse, and he's been actually, um, we, we talk to each other two, three, five, ten times a day, um, just uh, coordinating everything, and he's been so gracious every time, every step of the way, he's been very gracious to work with us to orchestrate these teams, and um, I asked him to come today, and so that you can see who this wonderful man of God is, but also he can give us a report of what we have accomplished with the help of Samaritan's person or other partners. Thank you. Give, give Todd a big hand. Thank you. Bethlehem Assembly, it is a blessing to be here. We have been blessed with our association with you guys. And I would just thank each one of you that have been out and volunteered and are planning to do so in the future. Um, one of the things we do with Samaritan's Purse is we very carefully track each homeowner to make sure that they're getting the help that they need. Um, since we've started about two weeks ago, we have received almost 400 requests for assistance across the area. Um, we have had... 1,090 volunteers going out. You guys at Bethlehem make up about one-third of that. Just incredible um, with the teams that y'all are bringing in, and we just could not do this without you. The most important number, we've had 12 people make first-time commitments to Christ. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went about the cities and villages, teaching the synagogues, preaching the gospel, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they were, they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to the disciples, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the workers are few. But guys, we've got a great opportunity to minister in the Island Park, Long Beach, Oceanside area. And we, just, we look forward to the upcoming months of being in partnership with you to be able to reach out and share the gospel with these people. Um, like Pastor was saying, you know, when you look at these homes, they look normal. You know, the, they're not off their foundations. They're, they're not turned upside down. They look just like the house that you live in from the outside until you walk in and you see the mold creeping up the walls and you step on the carpet and it squishes under your feet and you see the people and you're moved with compassion. So we're going to continue to be meeting with you every Saturday at Haggerty. During the week, we're sending teams out from the Vineyard Church right on 180 Denton. Um, we'll let you know. If that changes, we are looking for a much larger location where we can house up to 100 volunteers. So if any of you have a connection with a real estate agent, 
please see me after the service. We're, we really would like to be able to house a large number of volunteers from across the nation that are eagerly anticipating coming in and helping as well. So um, we just thank you for your hospitality. We had some volunteers sleep here last night, and they just really enjoyed the cafe. So thank you so much. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Let's just pray for Todd. Todd is, uh, you know, he's going to be here Thanksgiving, away from his sons, his family, and uh, he's going to be here. So we're actually having a dinner uh, at the cafe for all the volunteers. You have about 40? Yes, sir. 40-plus volunteers that are going to be away from their family. If you'd like to volunteer Thanksgiving Day, we're going out. Amen. Amen. So he's doing a lot of work. Let's pray for him and his family. Let's pray a blessing over him. Father, we just thank you for Todd. We pray for his family. Lord, we know that when he's going to be away from his family this year, Lord God, that there may be a little sadness, Lord, recognizing, Lord, that he's not there for Thanksgiving. But we give thanks for him today. I pray that Todd would go back to his family and he would be refreshed in knowing that there's a group of people that are appreciative of him and love him. We pray that his family would know that we are grateful that they're sharing him with us this Thanksgiving, Lord. Father, bless the volunteers. Keep them strong. Keep them blessed, Lord. And we pray for a building, Lord. We ask today that we would have a building that would be able to house, sleep a hundred people, Lord. God, we pray that, Lord, that there would be an open door, a connection, Lord, that would happen, Father. The heart of the King is in the hands of the Lord. So we thank you, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you, Todd. Amen. Todd is, um, as you hear him speak and you know that there's an accent, that is a Bronx accent. He's a, a Yankee fan and he is from the Bronx. <laughs> Amen. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Psalms 103. Psalms 103. What matters most? What matters most? Now, I want you to know that when you go through a difficult time in your life, whatever it may be, and everyone in this room is going through something. Everybody's got stuff. Turn your neighbor and say, I got some stuff. I didn't say the stuff. I said, you got some stuff. All right? I got some stuff. No, 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 no. Thus, you got stuff going on in your life. Every one of us are going to face trials in our life. Every one of us are going to face difficulties in our life. It's just a part of life. I know everyone in this room would say, I wish that I never had to go through another trial. I've had enough. I've had enough pain. I've had enough suffering. I've had enough adversity. And I've had enough challenges in our life. And it seems for some of us that when we get through the first challenge, there's another one. It's like a wave that hits us. Another challenge in our life. And sometimes we can get tired and weary. Sometimes we can want to give up. We want to just throw in the towel. Sometimes we get really ticked off at God. How many of you in this room, you've been ticked off at God? Let me see your hands. All right, the rest of you are totally lying. You're, you're lying, man. Come on. You know, you might not verbalize it. You might not say it out loud. But like Job, you might say, man, I, I, I cursed the day that I was born. God, why did you allow this to happen? And maybe you're not saying it outwardly, but in your heart, you're angry at God. 
And let me tell you, over a time, it'll turn into poison. So you got to get rid of that stuff. How, how do you get rid of the poison of discouragement? How do you get rid of the poison, poison of, of being angry at God? Well, it's not easy at times. And you got to come before the Lord and you got to cry your eyeballs out. And sometimes you got to do some screaming. You know, hey, David did a whole lot of that. David was kind of manic depressive. Do you ever notice that about David? I mean, my daughter read the Psalms. She read all of the Psalms. And after she read the psalm, she said, Dad, man, that dude, man, there were times when he said some stuff that just made me uncomfortable. It's like, God, just barbecue all the, the sinners. You know, get rid of them all, you know. She was like, Dad, you know, some of the psalms are pretty tough to read, you know. And I'm like, yeah, why? Because the psalms are really honesty, as honest as you can get. As blunt as you can get with God, you know. So you see David, he's in the Psalms. And, you know, in the beginning of the Psalms, he's like, God, I just can't take it anymore. I keep on crying. My, my room is flooded with my tears, and I, I don't want to live anymore. And by the time he's end, he ends the Psalm, he's like, but God is good. Holy. It's like he's manic depressive. You know, every Psalm is like that. You know what I'm, do you ever notice that about the Psalms? Like, oh, God. I'm not, oh, oh, hallelujah at the end of the Psalm. So he's weeping and crying by the end of the psalm. He's always dancing. You know, did you ever notice that about David? And I think that David learned the art of encouraging himself in the Lord. Because there, there, there are going to be times when you can't figure it out. There are going to be times when things happen and there's not going to be a good answer. There's not even going to be an answer in Scripture that you could say, you know, this is why. Now, I'm not saying that the scripture can't answer your wise, but sometimes the scripture just says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Come on, somebody say amen, Lord, I'm God. That there are times in your life when you're not going to understand the why. But God says you just got to keep going, man. Keep, keep your head up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left because you're going to start to sink. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get angry at God. And you can't afford to get discouraged. You can't afford to feel sorry for yourself. You can't afford to get angry at God because he's the hand that feeds you. He's the one that blesses you. You can't afford to turn your back on God. Let me tell you, it might sound like a good reason to say, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore. But you know what? There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it always leads to death. You got to stay with God. Amen. No matter what happens, you've got to stay with God. Got to hang in there. And I know that's not always easy for some of us to hang in there. But David had this way of staying with God. I mean, David didn't have an easy life, but he was willing to stay with it. And he learned the art of encouraging himself in the Lord. The Bible says that when he went to Ziglag and he saw that everything was gone, worse than a hurricane, they burned down everything. They took his wives, they took his children, they took everything that he owned, and the Bible says that he began to cry, and after he had no more tears left, then it says this, and it says, David then encouraged himself in the Lord. Ah, go ahead and have a cry. Go ahead and have a cry. Sometimes we need to cry. Tears are good. I was talking to a guy at the men's breakfast on Friday. And he said, you know, I really blew it, man. I lost my temper. He's a new Christian. He just got saved and he was feeling dejected. He was feeling like, man, I really blew it. And I said, look. I said, we all have emotions. God has given us emotions. 
He's given us fear for a good reason. Now, I'm not talking about all fear, but you know, you have to have the fear of the Lord. Amen? And, and let me tell you, you know, there's certain things that you need to recognize. The Bible says the fear of the Lord will keep you from danger. So that's a good thing. We have to have some anger in our life. You know, some people are afraid to express their anger. God said, be angry, but do not, what? Sin. So anger actually can be a motivator to do the right thing. I, I get angry. I get angry at injustice. I, I get angry at people who take advantage of other people. I get angry when a little girl says that she's been abused, and it, but it motivates me. Instead of becoming bitter and cynical, it motivates me to say, but I've got to do something about it. I've got to change this condition. So there's some things that God has given us as gifts to motivate us to do the right thing. You know, when we're afraid, we run. Sometimes you've got to run. If there's a lion in the street, you run. You'd be stupid to try to fight a lion. I know some of you think you're really spiritual and you're going to try to fight that lion. Go ahead. I'm running, baby. I'm running. <laughs> it's that adrenaline that, that causes me to run. So David had emotions. And the Bible tells us that, that he cried until he had no more tears. And then he went into his prayer closet and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And what we find constantly in the Psalms is David learning how to encourage himself in the Lord. And I, I guess if I would give you ways in which you can encourage yourself in the Lord, first I'd say is open up the Bible. Wipe the dust off your Bible and start reading the Bible. And quoting the scriptures and singing. You know, when, when I get down, I, I start to sing. When I get discouraged, I, I pull out the guitar and I start to sing. God is good. God is good. I cry out. For your hand of mercy, O Lord. And then I just, start, I just start singing, God is good, God is good, God is good. So we, we take the scriptures and we worship and we praise the Lord. But at the heart of praising the Lord, there's got to be a seed in our spirit, in our soul, that helps us to be thankful. You see, thankfulness causes us to praise the Lord when we're thankful. When we're thankful for the things that matter the most in our life. Because all this other stuff is stuff. And it's hard when you lose your stuff because, you know, this stuff has us sometimes. Our possessions possess us. And it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go of stuff, man. And I, I, I'm just, I, I, I drive through my neighborhood and like I, I keep on saying, it's like a war zone. They have now the payloaders that come in with the cherry pickers. And, and I mean, you know, we thought it wasn't so bad until they started gutting out their homes and they just put this stuff right on their driveway right in the, their lawn, and, and, and it's depressing. You see all this stuff. I mean, my neighbors, and couches and TVs and refrigerators and, and all kinds of appliances and all their goods out on, some of it I look, I'm like, that's not so bad. That looks pretty good right there, you know. It's <laughs> so bad, you know. You know, if, if I didn't have so much pride, I'd probably pull up, you know, and go, let me take a look at this, man. It's not so bad, you know. You know, it's all this stuff on the lawn. And, and, and while I see all this stuff, and then when we go into these firefighters' homes, man, I'm telling you, it's been a blessing. We go to the firefighter, their homes, and we go to the, the fire station, and these guys with tears in their eyes, thank you, thank you so much, thank you. Last Monday, a, a good buddy of mine, Greg Johnson, I want to thank him. In fact, he might be, you know, he might see this, you know, because uh, he's a pastor and so he watches my sermons so he can steal them, rip them off. No, I'm just kidding. 
But, but I want to say to Mission Church, you know, and all the other churches that came to help us, thank you from the bottom of my heart, you know. And, um, but they, they, I went by when they were helping this one family, and I had met this firefighter and his sons, this firefighter. I think he's got two or three sons that are also firefighters, and I met them in the firehouse, and we said, we got it. We're going to take care of your home. And um, at the end of the day, the group of uh, people from Mission Church, they were, they were gathered around this guy, and they, they signed the Bible. They were giving him a Bible, and they were praying for him, and his wife had tears in her and her eyes and the firefighter was melting. He said, come on, man, come to the firehouse and have dinner with us. You know, it's as if they could really do that. They had all these firefighters and their families in the firehouse. It was like a whole team of them just come and have dinner and, and, and you know, just kind of talking to these people. And they're like, you know what? I lost everything, but I still have my family. I lost everything, but I can still see a glimmer of hope because you guys came and you helped me. I lost everything, but there's still good in this world. Like this one lady said, God has abandoned this area. And somebody from the team said, if God abandoned this area, we wouldn't be here today. And so they would say, you know, I can see a glimmer of hope. I can see that there's hope on the horizon. And so as we talk about what matters most, as we talk about what matters most to us, We've got to learn how to refocus our attention away from the stuff, away from our possessions and say, but you know, I still have this. I still have this. I'm thankful today because I still have this, this, and this. You might say, well, what do I have? Well, I'm going to remind you in Psalms 103 what you still have. You see, as like Isaiah, when the king died, and that was a national tragedy when the king died, the Bible says, and the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He was able to look higher than his problem. And that's what we need to learn how to do, is to look higher than our problem, our situation, and see the God that is greater, stronger, mightier, and able, even in the midst of our situation. We've got to learn to think about what's most important. So, so if, if Jesus was here in the flesh, I'd, I'd ask him, Jesus, what's the most important? What really matters, Jesus? What really matters? And Jesus would say to me this, what really matters is number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus would say. He'd say, you know what? You read the scripture, you do all these things, and you're trying to search for truth, but when it's all said and done, all of the scriptures and all of the commandments boil down to these two commandments, love God with all your heart. And friend, if you still have a love for God in your heart, you need to be thankful, glory to God. If you still know that God loves you, that God would never leave you nor forsake you, and nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God, if you still know that God will walk with you in the valley, that God will walk with you in the fire, that God will walk with you in the flood, that God will walk with you all the way into heaven, then you've got everything that you need. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. It's that love that you have for, for him and the love that he has for you. I love what David says in Psalms 103. Let me quote it for you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. You see, David knew those were emotions. Now, the Old Testament, it doesn't show you that your soul is really your emotions. In the Old Testament, the soul and the spirit are used interchangeably. But I believe that God has created us body, soul, and spirit. 
and our soul is our emotions. God has given it to us. And so David says, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, be thankful to the Lord with all of your soul. Not just with all of your spirit, but all of your soul. You know, David knew how to bless the Lord. I mean, he knew how to have a, a hoedown. He knew how to bless the Lord. I mean, in fact, he gave us seven ways we could bless the Lord in the Old Testament. He said there will be times when you have the tehillah. You have to raise your hands. You have to surrender to God. You have to, you have to, you have to bow before the Lord. He said there will be, be other times when you don't come quietly before the Lord, but there will be times when you're going to have to shout your way to victory. Just like Joshua did, he shouted his way to victory. He had a mighty wall in front of him. He had an incredible challenge, but he needed to say to his soul, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your trust in God. And he needed to worship God. I believe that's what David did. He cried his eyeballs out. He opened up the scripture. He began to thank the Lord. He began to shout before the Lord. And sooner or later, he began to get encouraged by the Lord. He learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. And sometimes you got to cry your eyeballs out. Then you got to pick yourself up. You got to wipe the dust off and say, but I'm here to shout before the Lord. I'm here to worship before the Lord. I'm here to give God glory. Hallelujah. I like, I like two words that David uses for worship in the Old Testament when it comes to bless the Lord. Two words. The first one is haleo, haleo, which means this, be hilarious before the Lord. That's what it means. In the Hebrew, it means be hilarious before the Lord. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm not into the whole, you know, praying over people and, you know, they bark like a dog and all of that. So I just, nah, I'm just not into that, all right? But, but let me tell you, there have been times when I've gone before the Lord and I've been, I was so discouraged and I said, God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, fill me with joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus, I can't do this by myself. I need your joy. I need you to infuse me with joy. I need you to come and infuse me with peace that passes all understanding. And I, 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 I can't explain it. But all I know is that it was an infusion. It was a moment. It was an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would get a hold of me. And I just stand up and start rejoicing before the Lord and start laughing. I mean, <laughs> and my wife's, get the psychiatrist on the phone. He's lost. Because if, if, if you can cut through all of the discouraging things in your life and look a little higher and, and, and be reminded that no matter what goes on in your life, God is still in control. He's still coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He still said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going away to prepare a place for you so that where I am you might be also. That in the last days the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise. And we that remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air and will be with the Lord forever. And let me tell you something. If you could really focus on that, if you could remind yourself of that, that'll give you a shout. That'll give you a laugh. That'll give you joy. You'll start dancing. You'll become undignified before the Lord. You'll just say, yes, Lord, even though I've got all these problems, I still have a reason to shout and dance. I like the, sec I like the second word he uses when he says to bless the Lord. He said, don't only get hilarious before the Lord. He said, but do it. Just shout. The word is Shabbat. He said, just shout. Now, let me tell you, so I'm a shouter. 
I'm a crier. I'm a shouter. I'm Italian. I, I can watch a good car commercial, and if it's like really sentimental, I'll cry. No matter. I'm just, I just cry over anything. I love to celebrate. I'm telling you, I'm a celebrator. And I go to the Yankee game, I'm losing my voice. It's gone. It's, I'm gone. I'm going to shout like I can't believe it. You know? But David said that we are to Shabbat, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God, no matter what you're feeling, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God is good. God is good all the time. God is faithful. God is faithful all the time. God is on his throne. He's always on his throne. Nothing can knock him off the throne. Hallelujah. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, the Bible says. And sometimes you've got to shout your way through to victory. You might say that's emotionalism. Yeah, it is. And what's wrong with that? I've seen you emotional. I've seen you shout and scream and hug people because the New York Jets won one game in the whole season. Come on! So, so David encouraged himself in the Lord, and we have to learn how to give thanks. So Jesus would say the most important thing, what really matters is to love God with all your heart, soul, strength. And he says, and then if you love God, then you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's just amazing how I've seen you guys respond. You know, Pastor Pete, he's in it himself. And, you know, he lost three cars, and like I said before, and, and all of that. But he showed up yesterday. I'm going to tell you something. He shamed some of us because we didn't lose anything. Pastor Pete was there, man. I, I wanted to tell him to go home. And then I said, no, I, I wouldn't dare steal and rob his blessing. I mean, you know, he's in it cutting out and cleaning out and getting new boilers and all of that, but he showed up to clean out somebody else's home. I said, that's a servant, man. That is a servant. That, that's a man who's not worried about his own stuff. You know, even when he was in the middle of all this, he was just helping his neighbors, helping his neighbors. I, I called him up. I couldn't believe I did it. I said, I can't believe I'm bothering this guy, but my neighbor needed a generator hooked up to their box, and so I called up Peter because I didn't know how to do it. And let me tell you something. You do not want me to touch electricity. You remember when I used to spike my hair? It don't happen anymore unless I touch electricity. And so I called Peter, and he, he, I'll be right there, man. I'll be right there for one of my neighbors, you know. And, and, and he just served the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. If, if you would ask James what really matters, if you would ask the Apostle James what really matters, he'd say your faith has to turn into actions. He said, if you really say that you have faith, then it has to turn, it has to be translated into actions. Not that you're saved by, by works. Nobody can go to heaven based on our good works. I don't care how many houses we clean out. I don't care how much good we do. In Island Park, we, we don't get to heaven because we do that stuff. We get to heaven because of the mercy and grace of God, the forgiveness of God. Not for any other reason. We didn't deserve it. God gave it to us. He died on the cross. He rose on the third day. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. He sent his Holy Spirit. We repent of our sins. We say, God, I could never work for eternal life. And Jesus sends his spirit to live inside of us. We're born again by his spirit and it's all by grace. It's all, it's all by grace. Read Ephesians chapter 1. How great God's grace and mercy is that he would lavish it upon us 
even though we didn't deserve it. But James says, if you say that God lives inside of you, if you say that you're a Christian, then if somebody has a need, you meet the need. And it shows that Christ really lives inside of you. The apostle John, he's the apostle of love. He said, we have to love one another. He said, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and anyone who is born of God loves like God loves. That's what John would say. What really matters is to love one another, to love each other. Love each other. And you know what? Let me tell you, I'm so proud of you guys. We're actually... Um, contacting the families in our church that lost something because the first week I had them come forward we prayed for them and we said we're gonna be there for you and we raised almost twenty five thousand dollars for our own people come on somebody l let me just say let me just say it may sound like a lot but one man gave ten thousand dollars for the church for the people in our church and said you take care of them isn't that incredible? Love one another. Let us love one another. And, and if you would ask Paul the Apostle what matters most to him, well, he would say that you're saved by grace and that you're justified by the mercy of God. But he'd also say this. He'd also say that naked we came into this world, naked we're going to leave this world. We've got to learn how to be content in every situation. He said, whatever situation I've been in, I've learned to be content. Paul the Apostle would say, what really matters the most is that we learn how to give thanks to the Lord in every situation. That we have to learn that no matter what's going on in our life, we got to pick ourselves up and say, but I could still thank the Lord because I'm looking a little higher and I'm seeing all of the benefits that God has given us. Now, listen, I haven't had to look for a job for over 30 years, thank God. Been in the same place for about 30 years. So I haven't been interviewing anywhere for 30 years. But if I sat down with somebody and they were telling me what the package was, I'd ask them, okay, what's the salary part of the package? Okay, it's whatever, you know. I mean, us pastors, you know, we, whatever we make. Okay, what, what's the salary package? What's the salary portion? And then I'd ask them this, and what are the benefits? What are the the benefits that, that are not cash, but they're benefits. And they'd say to me, well, you, can, you, get, you, know, you get health insurance. <laughs> okay, I get health insurance. That's cool. You know, I was, I was just thinking, you know, where we're going with the whole health thing this, these years. And I, I wanted to say something, but I'm not going to. I'm just not. And, um, and, then, and then what's the vacations? You know, how, how, many, how many days do I get off? And, um, and then what's the dental plan? And what are the other benefits that I get? Because I want to know what my benefits are. Well, David says to the Christian, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless him with everything that I have within me. And forget not all of his benefits. Forget not all the benefits that God has given us. And, and you see, when we're in trouble... When we have trials in our life, we tend to forget the benefits of being a child of God. We tend to forget, man, you know what? No matter how hard it gets, you know, I could be in my home and my home can get destroyed and my neighbor's home can get destroyed and if my neighbor doesn't know the Lord and I know the Lord, man, I've got a whole lot of benefits to tap into. Come on, somebody. <laughs> 
I've got a whole lot of benefits. And so I'm going to read some benefits to you today. And then we're going to stand together and we're going to worship God. I'm done. I'm done. And everybody said, that's a miracle. I can't believe it. He's done. But I'm just going to read to you the benefits of being a Christian. Are you ready? Turn with me to Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Everybody say benefits. benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Hallelujah. That God has forgiven you of all of your iniquities. Not just 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but yesterday when you confessed your sins to God, he took your sins and he threw it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember those sins again. So I thank the Lord today because what matters most is that I'm walking cleanly before the Lord. That if I should die today, I'm going to heaven, not because of my good works, but because he heals me and forgives me of all, not some, but all of my iniquities. Everything that you've ever done in the past has been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it again. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Who heals all my diseases. Not just physical, but emotional diseases. Spiritual diseases. How many of you in this room, even though you're going through a difficult time in your life, you can remember a time when you had a disease in your life. It was the disease of depression, discouragement, of anger and bitterness, or maybe it was the disease of alcoholism or whatever it is, and God came in your life and he rescued you. Let me see your hands right now. Come on, somebody. Oh, look at this. Look at all the hands of God has rescued us. He's healed us of our diseases. Glory to God. How many of you, you were sick in your body and God came and intervened? Let me see your hands. Come on, somebody. Oh, we've got a lot of praising to do this morning. Who redeems your life from destruction. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it, it leads to destruction. I like what it says in the NIV. He, he saved me. He rescued me from the pit. How many of you know that we can be in a pit sometimes, but God comes down and pulls us out of that pit of discouragement or depression or whatever it is, and he places our feet on solid ground. Who, I love this one. I love to hear it. Here's a benefit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Wow. Close your eyes. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who crowns you that every day his mercies are new to you and that he crowns you with his love but not only his love but his loving kindness that while we should be recipients of his wrath he crowns us with his loving kindness his loving favor that he pours out upon his merciful and gracious, slow to anger. God is slow to anger. I can't believe how he's so long-suffering and patient towards me. That he's constantly, patiently putting up with me. How many of you, with your eyes closed today, you say, thank God that God just continues to put up with my stuff. Raise your hands. That he puts up with my stuff. 
He's slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep us his anger forever. Friends, there's going to come a time when God's going to pour out his anger and his justice and his wrath upon those, this world. But yet, even though he does that for us, he will keep, keep us safe, safe in his arms. Because he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are higher above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, keep your eyes closed. As so far has he removed our transgressions from us, as far as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, I have a father who knows my name, who has compassion upon me. He knows my frame, and he remembers that I am just dust. Maybe you're here today, and you're weak. Maybe you're here today, and you know that you can't do it without God. Friend, I want you to know that God says, I know your frame. I know you're weak. But I'm here to strengthen you. He remembers that I am dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. And then the wind comes, and it's gone. And the place is remembered no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And I cry out for your hand of mercy to heal me. I am weak and I need your love to free me. Oh Lord, my rock, my strength and weakness, come rescue me. together for you are good if you do it sing it out me. for you are good for you are good for you are good to me for you are good for you are good for you are good to me and I to heal 
How many believe that God is still good? I said, how many of you believe God is still good? Praise you, Lord. I said, how many of you believe God is still good? For you are good. 